to the first ever Kirk and Carver podcast. He is Carver and I'm Kirk. What up, Carver? Hey, man. You ready for this? Welcome to episode one. It's pretty remarkable to believe that after these past four weeks, one week of just talking about it, and then three weeks of recording uh, takes, we're here. It's really been kind of like if you if you step back and look at that four-week month period of time it seems like an eternity ago doesn't it it literally does from the very first time we sat down at coco's uh lake forest thank you by the way nice plug to lake forest coco's um to where we are today like a lot has transpired a lot of uh trial by fire has occurred oh yeah um we had this massive setup to anyone that has seen the studio before to now just simply one mic Two cell phones, an iPad Pro, a MacBook Pro. Um, a and lot has transpired. In two mugs. <laughs> two mugs, two pens, two sheets of paper, because we yeah. still write on stone tablets. Yeah. Because uh, we're old school. It's, it's you know, I had to describe it to people, like, what this whole process has been like. I got asked a couple of times, like, so what exactly was this past four weeks like? And I'm like, exactly, as you said, four weeks, wow. And thinking about it it felt like i was going over the course of almost thinking back to my childhood it felt like i had to go so far back um but just to see how everything is developed and come together to be this now right here um it's it's amazing it's definitely i can tell is something uh inspired not random you know this was something meant to be and a long time in the making and just finally that it all came together is it's a rush. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is great. So uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Podcast One. We now have our widescreen viewing pleasure. Shows we up. have our in-camera, in-your-face viewing pleasure. And uh, we're here. We're here. So, uh, so what's the subject for so today, So the Jeff? subject matter is, and Carver, thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Um, so... I thought a lot about how we kind of like dive into what podcast number one is and podcast number two is. And, you know, ultimately our objective is to share with the world um, God-fearing topics, uh, addressing the unaddressed. But for our viewing audience to understand who we are, we need to give forth our testimony. And so not only does the Bible and scripture ask us to come forth and give that testimony because it is right. showcasing how God has blessed us through our, uh, through our life and how we've grown. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, you know, there's lots of people out in the world that feel that they've done so much wrong or have sinned so much that they, God would never love them and it couldn't be further from the truth. So ultimately a testimony is to showcase God has loved and walked with us through all these different trials and tribulations in our life. And for us to then give that back to the world that not only it's never too late, but you too can get to a a, a greater purpose or a actual having a purpose on this planet. And, um, so today we're going to give, uh, we're, I'm going to give my testimony yeah, today. Exactly. Um, Carver, as per usual, ask hard hitting questions when the I'll time try. is right. Yeah. And um, I'll, uh, I'll uh, 
I'll plead ignorance on the ones I don't want to answer. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we're, a little, we're a little late for that now, Jeff. Everything's coming out. I know. It, it's all coming out. So um, that's what we're going to do today. And then next week, um, Carver, you will give your testimony. It'll so, be my turn. Yeah. And then from there, um, each week we're going to have a new topic. And each topic we'll really dive in. We'll have scriptures based on um, why we lean a particular di- different direction. Right. Um, to correspond back to the biblical word. Um, but for today and next week, um, it's literally the it's Kirk just, and Garber show. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a thing that I want to just be able to mention to, to everybody that, you know, what, what we're looking to do is do the things that are not popular. You know, they're not going to bring us a huge audience just because we're trying to be fun or we're trying to be you know, creative and get laughs and just make everybody have this super uh, culturally agreeable time. But we're looking to really, you know, dig into scripture, dig in our own lives and say, hey, like what are really guys, men supposed to be in a time where there really is no guidance, right? I mean, like our culture will tell us a hundred different ways to be a man. And maybe one of those has a hint of actual truth to it that is sustainable, right? I mean, this last week was 4th of July. And I mean, that was such a flashback for me from church to what our nation was built on, what we were founded on, the principles, the founding core values, fathers, yeah. founding fathers. And just for me to see how much has changed really like made my heart like be sad and kind of mourn that, but also have hope, you know, that I feel like more than ever. This is such a perfect time for the inception of this show and for it to have come about because we're really trying to, through our own life stories and our own perspectives, give some guidance. You know, as Jeff was saying, that some of us might not feel like, we might feel like it's too late or we might not feel like we have a chance, but our testimonies are going to start things off by saying, look, we've been through a ton of situations. I don't know what his testimony is, but at least I know mine and it's, I've been through a lot and I've done some really stupid things. So if I can get to a point where God still loves me and pulled me out of all that and has given me a hope that hopefully through these two first two episodes, you can understand where we've been, where we want to go and where we want to kind of bring everybody along with us. Very well said. Amen. Thank you, brother. You got it. Um, Floor is yours. So I don't really know how to start off other than just kind of diving into. I was born in a a little town called Sonora uh, back in 1982. And uh, if you're doing the math on that, that would make me 39 years of age. Um, So I was born in this little town, Sonora. So it's probably an hour and a half east of Sacramento. And um, as early as I could recall, obviously I don't remember... Uh, ages one through four, but as early as I could recall, my parents had told me that I was adopted. And um, I didn't really know how to feel about that yeah. until you get to a certain age and you realize that, oh, my parents didn't have me like all my friends had their mm-hmm. parents have them, so to speak. And um, I remember uh, it was third grade, I think it was third grade, uh, back to school night. And you know, typically that's the night where your parents finally come to school, they see your artwork, they see your test scores, the teacher gives a little... Uh, Blurb about you. Yeah, synopsis on what's yeah. transpired in the last you know, three or so months um, of school. And I remember sitting there with my mom and dad, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, huh, all my friends look like their parents. 
And then I'm looking at my mom and dad. I don't look like my parents. Oh, wow. And I remember that kind of like hitting home to me like, oh, oh yeah, that little thing called adoption. That's what that looks like kind of a deal. So it came alive in the third grade. It was really in the third grade. And that's why I want to preface that as early as I can remember, my mom and dad shared with me that I was adopted. It was never a secret. And I'm grateful for that. But as that kind of seed, you know, starts to grow roots into my mind, you then think, well, Alyssa's mom and dad had Alyssa. My mom and dad didn't have me. So what happened to the mom that did have me? Okay. And why didn't she keep me? Hmm. And then so then that starts to grow into... That's a tough question to ask yourself in the third grade. Uh, very much so. And, you know, I won't say it was the third grade per se of that's when those uh, thought processes began. But okay. as you come into especially middle school where yeah. you're more cognitive of who you are and who you're, where you're from. And you're searching for that identity too. 100%. And um, you just kind of come to a situation. Well, I did in middle school that I was given up. And I was forsaken at the very young age. So you you felt that like, so you're saying that kind of that seed of abandonment kind of grew. One hundred percent. In fact, this whole testimony principle is based on being abandoned. That's heavy. Very heavy. And um, now, like all things, uh, trials and tribulations is what makes us. And yeah. um, so that, that was kind of how my, my childhood began. You fast forward a few years um, from birth, obviously. Uh, I think I was in the second grade, uh, seven years old, right in that time frame. Uh, my parents ended up getting a divorce. And um, when you talk about a sense of abandonment from birth, and then your dad then all of a sudden departs one day, that then compiles onto that level of abandonment. And I remember the story so vividly. In fact, you know, there's really three. Whenever you have a huge um, challenging point in your life, you remember where you were, what you were doing. Like everyone remembers 9-11, right? Yeah, you can also remember the smell of the room uh, that I was in. I remember exactly what was it was like that morning. Very vividly. And, you know, our audience, you guys can appreciate this. And I remember on this particular day, I don't know what the day was. I was in second grade. But I remember I was sitting at the stop the the top of our staircase and I could hear my mom and dad arguing in the kitchen and I'm pointing over here as if you could see the kitchen but it wasn't I'm sitting and I could just hear you know their 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 arguments um, echoing throughout the house and I just remember as a, a seven-year-old boy just bawling knowing that this is this is not right whatever is going on I don't want my parents to fight I just want them to to love and so I could be loved on and you know you're, you're self-serving when you're, uh, you know, seven years old. And I remember my dad going to the door and he slammed the door behind him. And then my mom kind of went to the door and she like collapsed on the inside of the door. And I just remember running down and we just cried and we just held each other. And it was like, it was tough. And, um, you know, Did you know at that moment what was going on, or just no, it was bad? It was bad. It was all bad. Yeah, and I don't. Need, I didn't even know what divorce was. Like, back to this third grade open house. All my friends, their families were still all married. So I come in, I'm adopted, and my parents are divorced. So my mom was there by herself. My dad was there by himself. 
I mean, they were standing near each other, but it wasn't like it was a harmonious situation. A little tension there. Uh, yeah, some some serious tension. So, um, so kind of the, the, the guiding principle is a yeah. sense of abandonment. So fast forward to high school. Uh, my mom has since remarried um, a wonderful man by the name of Mike, and uh, he's a subscriber. Thank you, Mr. Perry. I love you, Mike. You're awesome. Um, yep. Share the good word, by the way. Um, and as they got married, my mom and I, we lived in this uh, this condo in kind of like a, uh, a hood portion of Sacramento, I will say. Okay. And um, they got married, and then naturally we moved to a nicer suburban area, and it was a house, and it was nice to like have my own room. And I mean, I had my own room in the condo, but it wasn't like, you know... A lot more space. Did it feel like a return to form to how things were uh, in the second grade? Or was it just different but new in your own? It it did feel more normal. But I, I just had spent the last, I don't know, eight years of my life. Mom and I. Oh, so Mom yeah. and I exclusively. Okay. So then, you know, we get this house in suburbia. And Mike comes in, who's awesome, and he has uh, two children. Okay. And one of those children uh, would come every other weekend, as I would go to my dad's house every other weekend. So I would come home, and the weekends that I was with mom and Mike, my stepbrother would be there. And it wasn't a sense of rejection from my mom, but in a some way immature, deep-rooted way, I almost felt like, being that it wasn't just mom and I, and I was now mom oh. with Mike and stepchildren, and now yeah. I'm kind of this this leftover piece of the puzzle, kind of uh, in this mix here. That was like your perspective on it. I, I would assume that she just tried to make them feel included, kind of like more probably leaning on you to know that you're her favorite, but okay, now I have to show them love too. And no doubt. And my mom didn't do anything wrong. Right. It was just the natural progression just, of life. I will say in my immaturity of being in, I think it was the eighth grade at this time. That's a tough time, man. Um, yeah. Oh. Right at 13 years yeah. old. Puberty um, hitting you like a ton of breaks. No doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, you have... Abandonment issues from adoption, abandonment issues from um, father leaving, and then not necessarily abandonment, but could be perceived as abandonment. A cousin of, yes. Maybe second cousin, but still, in my immaturity, my mindset, that's almost how I took it. So fast forward to high school, I'm so deeply rooted in search of finding connection and a group, a sense of belonging, like a pseudo family within a friend group. Mm. And in doing so, um, as as lots of young people without the strong male figure at home day to day, not saying Mike wasn't the strong male figure, but I had so much of just, it was my mom and I would, you know, as a man, I got to take care of my mom. And then, right. you know, like I'm the, the, the male figure in the house as yeah. a little boy. And so I'm so desperately looking for this family the sense of belonging that i got connected with a group that wasn't walking with god or wasn't even close to god it was the polar opposite of god and in my mind at the time i just thought like yeah i belong i'm part of a group uh, and it what felt age group good was this, this is high school, high school so we'll okay. say 
14, 15, we'll call it 15 through 19, somewhere okay. in this time frame. And, um, and in doing so, like they would accept anyone as long as you were willing to do X, Y, or Z, right? And it wasn't good. And it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I'm alluding to, but just for the sake of this being on the, uh, the interweb, I'm not going to go down this, this tunnel of all the different things that... Could you give a sneak... I mean, just a little bit of something to just... Drinking, smoking, okay. just being a, a punk. Okay, a okay? punk. I like yeah. that. Being that's, a punk. That, that's... Okay. And um, I started working at uh, 15 and a half as early as I could remember, or as early as I wow. could get a job. The day. Yeah. To the day in, in the state of California for people outside yeah. of uh, California. Um, you can wow. get your work permit. Yep. I don't know what the thing is today, but back then it was 15 it was, and a half yes, on the dot. Was. And my dad, I will, I will never forget this, brought me to this restaurant and he said, you're going to go turn in your application. And I was happy to do it. At that restaurant? At that restaurant. Okay. What was and the restaurant? It was Chevy's. Chevy's? And I, I don't know if Chevy's is still around. Yeah, I've okay. seen Chevy's. Well, Chevy's is great. Um, <laughs> well, of course, you work there. Yeah, it, it, yeah, lots of yummy food over the years. And um, so I met a lot of friends there. And a lot of those friends, especially in the restaurant business, are drinking, smoking, doing extracurricular type stuff. And, yeah. you know, um, so I got kind of rolled into a very adult not mature, but an adult situation through yeah. work. I had my own kind of punk friends back at school. And so I'm okay. getting pulled in these different directions. Yeah. Um, you're very impressionable at that age. Oh, super. And if you are constantly feeling like you've had abandonment issues throughout your years, you just you almost become a people pleaser by default because you don't want people to reject you. Yeah. And so I remember working at Chevy's and I would go to these after parties and I would see people do all sorts of things. And um, I'm like, uh, I know that's not right. And I know what I'm doing isn't right. But what I'm doing isn't as bad as what they're doing. Now, did now was that kind of a first time experience that you actually wanted to pump the brakes on the stuff you were seeing? Like it, it was all of a sudden going too far? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like drugs is one thing, but then there's... Big drugs, like yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm so not. So you hit. You're starting to hit a wall with just your heart's just starting. To yeah, you back. you kind of define what lane you want to be in yeah. and what lane you most certainly don't want to be in. Right. And uh, it was pretty definitive. That's a lane I did not want to go in. You found the boundary. But that said, I was still drinking and smoking and having sex and not doing anything that was uplifting. It was very okay. self-serving and. And all about my image and making sure these different groups that are in my life found favor in me so I'm not rejected for sense of abandonment. Right. Um, really getting off my, uh, my notes here, but this is the way it was supposed to go, apparently. Yeah. And um, that said, as soon as, as soon as I graduated high school, so we'll say this is um, right at 18, um, maybe second half of... 18 um i ended up getting a wet and reckless and that is what... it's a little under a dui but it's essentially the same thing okay i i got a a, a wet and reckless and um i had just bought a 2000 honda civic in black i had saved up my money for the down payment right. i had uh, obviously i'd been working at chevy so i had 
uh, my monthly payment aligned, I had insurance, gas, you name it. Like it was 100% covered by Jeff Kirk. Right. However, at the age of 18, homeboy didn't have no credit. So you can't go buy a new car without any credit. Right. Therefore, my mom and stepfather had to co-sign for me. And they did that? They did that. That's nice. But this wet and reckless changed everything. Did this happen right after you got the car or before you got the car? After I got the car. So I think I had the car six months, I would guess. So we're going to say maybe December of... 2000 maybe early 2001 somewhere in that time frame okay and uh as soon as i got the wet and reckless my mom's like we're co-signed to this car there's too much liability on our name you don't deserve a car and we're pulling the car and we're selling the car no way that's a that's a blow square breathing jeff this was so tough in my life um, that I, I got in, I remember I stood up, I've never stood up square to Mike before. And he's like, don't do this, Jeff. And I ended up backing down, but I was so elevated. I was so angry because I financially 100% yeah. contribution was through me and for them to just take it. And, uh, it was very challenging. So long story long, I moved yeah. into my aunt's house and, uh, my aunt had no problem with uh, me drinking just as long as I wasn't driving. So then naturally, if I'm getting uh, the behaviors condoned, then it makes it so much easier to, you know, so, continue to feed this. So, so you were you were ready to square up, but you backed down. But to still kind of resolve that issue, you moved out. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was my resolve. I think that was immaturity of not working out the situation. Right. My aunt would happily take me, and she had an extra room, so I, I moved down uh, to a little town south of Sacramento called Elk Grove. Okay. And uh, I lived with my mom, or uh, with my aunt. Uh, my grandfather was nice enough to let me use his car. Okay. Um, so I was still able to go to and from work, and... Um, so now, I, the one source of security I had in my life was my mom. And now I've just up and abandoned ship from my mom right. because she took my car away. So now this, this one sense of security in my life is no longer a piece. And I didn't chat with my mom for 12, maybe even 24 months. That's a long time. And that was hard yeah. for me. And during that time frame, I was even more open like diving even further into my friend circles of just well if i don't have my mom i need i need other people to fill this you know this gaping void inside of me and um so i got caught up with that same group of friends in wrong place wrong time ended up getting in a uh, a court situation where i uh, had lots of hearings we never went to trial but lots of hearings to um to, to, to rectify this wrong place, wrong time thing. And um, I'll tell you, it went on for about 18 months of, uh, of these hearings. and That must have been pretty scary. Very scary. And you, you talk about um, getting scared straight. This, yeah. was, this was exactly what God put uh, in forth uh, as a wake-up call. How old were you here? I think I'm 20 years old. Give or take, yeah, right in that time frame. 
And at this point, my mom and I, we had resolved issues. Like I had to go back and just like fall on the sword, essentially. Mom, you're right. Tough love. I get it. Now I need even more help than what I thought I did. So spiraling out of control to full spiral out of control. And um, it was tough. And each hearing that came up would get pushed and pushed and pushed. But every time I had to take off from work to go to one of these hearings, I was scared. I'm putting on a suit. I'm nervous. We're praying. We're doing X, Y, Z. And it was a scary time. So you said praying. This is the first time you said you were praying out of this whole um, kind of like recap and, mm-hmm. uh, and testimony. Scared straight, Carver. You so looked... this was when you were like, okay, I, if there's a God, I need him. Was this kind of like your... Yeah. So I, I kind of didn't share this, but I was saved at the uh, young age of seven, eight years old okay. and went through, went to private school um, through high school. Clearly that didn't do wonders because I was still very much living in the world. Yeah. But I I knew at an early age that there was there was God and he's okay. there and he loves us, but I never officially walked with God. Gotcha. Perfect. So when like everyone, you know, lots of folks, when they come to uh, life challenging situations, the first right. thing they, they do is go to God. Right? Oh yeah. Very good. Um, and that's what God uses. God doesn't create that uh, negative uh, factor in our life, but he allows it to happen as a wake-up call to where we can come back to the Father, right? Amen. So um, during this process, I, I definitely, sh- it changed me in a maturity way. Mm. And yes, I was praying to God in the court, or the, uh, the, the we settled out of court and I ended up doing work project for six months. So I mean, it's a very minor thing, but still going through that process, like, oh my. It changed me from yeah. the inside out. Not only did it change me from being like this punk kid, it helped mature me to being an adult and now getting more focused on having a job at Chevy's and, and serving tables and right. delivering drinks and chips and salsa. That's something. But then getting into a career path, which this whole this whole process began and it helped me mature into the person that I am today. Okay. And if it wasn't for that job right there, I wouldn't be in my current job today. Really? So it's it's unique to see how everything kind of balanced out. And um and I think somebody if anyone's listening to this that's in their early 20s and has a terrible job, I'm going to be speaking on that too, but just realize it's all you're doing this for a reason. Everything you learn, in a, and I'm right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Everything you're gonna learn in a terrible job, you, it'll yeah. You gotta cut to something. You gotta cut your teeth somewhere, right? Yeah. And um, not that the Chevys was a terrible job, but it's it's the entry level into a that. career, right? Yeah. And um, so like, if you're thinking it's terrible, it'll it'll you know it's an entry level. Thing. Right. Right. Exactly. And um, so. Uh, Get through the court case, do uh, uh, picking up trash at light rail stations for like six months, every Saturday and Sunday like clockwork, and uh, putting on the orange vest with your uh, trash picker, weed popper, um, that gets old really quick. And um, especially when, you know, you want to go out and be with your friends, and you can't. How vividly do you remember those moments? It was six months of time, but like, can you just in your head just rewind and be right there oh or is it easily blurry? yeah 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 um 
So we would meet at one particular light rail station and then depending on where we were going to go do the work, we'd all collectively hop on the light rail and go down to station two, three, four, whatever. And we'd all get off and certain people would pick up trash, certain people would fix sprinkler heads, certain people would pick weeds. Um, I think that was kind of the gist of it. Yeah. And um, I'd met some friends there, but, you know, I kept them really at bay being that, you know, these are not the, you know, sole source of truth you want to have as friends. Um, but believe it or not, I actually met a good friend and I uh, was the best man at his wedding um, wow. one time through this. And uh, both him and I, we were kind of going through this uh, recalibration of life in this moment that we didn't want to go back to right. where we both were. I haven't chatted with him in some years, but... Um, He's a good dude, and uh, I appreciated our, our friendship together. And um, so fast forward to uh, 2018, I, uh, I get asked to take a, a job promotion uh, here in Southern California, which then um, brings me to move down to Southern California from Sacramento. And um, starting kind of like, uh, uh, like a startup business, but backed by a... Uh, 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 very well-off company so okay not worried about going into a startup and does it fail or does it succeed in a matter of 12 months and then you're out of job like i knew i was coming into this situation and was going to be protected and um very exciting to come down here and um during that path of like i always lived away from my folks but we were always in sacramento or surrounding neighborhood Right. right and um Finally being away from my parents, like there's a whole nother level of maturity and growth that comes with that. Yeah. And um, it was it was nice to have it. Um, but at the same token, you want to find ways to um, establish roots, right? Yeah. You know, family well, families in Northern California. Right. I now live in Southern California. Um I'm glossing over a, a divorce in there, but we could talk about that at a later time. Um, wanting to establish roots, and so I found, uh, I met a girl, and um, we're just going to call her Karen for the time being. Okay. And Karen and I had a, uh, a very, I say, tumultuous relationship. Very high, high, low lows. Um, but I loved her, and she loved me, and there was a sense of, growing some roots here in Southern California. So the, it had its ups and downs, but you felt like ultimately you guys were making steps in the right direction. Yeah, and I'd say very minute steps in the right direction. And um, but it was some kind of consistent growing, at least somewhere. Yeah. I, it's all to, perspective. To, to some time. point, but then it just became this plateau of, I can't go further because I feel in the back of my mind, something is awry. Something is not right. And if right. if I don't want to live like this the rest of my life, how can I move forward, you know, putting a ring on it if I have this over-alarming sense in the back of my mind? There were red flags. That said, her parents and I became very close and mm. they almost adopted me. Her mom said, her house is my house. Wow. And we just were really close and we would have dialogue. Just the, the two of us or the three of us without Karen involved. And uh, I felt really close to him. So fast forward to December of 2020. So we're not too far off from where we are today. Um, being today's the 5th of July. 
of 2021, in the year of our Lord, mm-hmm. um, we just had our final big blow up, Karen and I. And it was right before Christmas. And my plan was, you know, we're in the middle of COVID. I'm going to spend the... I'm going to spend Christmas and, and New Year's with Karen and family. And uh, I was excited about it. And this, this, this sense of family and belonging that I desired so much. And then all of a sudden to have that ripped away. And now here I am. I can't go home to Sacramento. Because right. we're in the middle of COVID and everyone's worried about that. And now I'm like, I have friends here, but they're going to go do things with their family. So... Um, I ended up having a very wow. lonely Christmas here, and um, I was angry, and I turned to booze. And I remember that Christmas week, we'll call it Christmas Eve through New Year's, okay. of just filling that gaping hole, that void inside me with alcohol. Yeah. And it was January 2nd. I woke up and I said, nope, you're not doing this, Kirk. That didn't work. You are done doing this. Um, So my friend Dana, I was telling her that, um, uh, who my pastor was at the time, Rick Warren. And she goes, Rick Warren, that name rings a bell. So she goes to her bookcase and um, she pulls out this book, Purpose Driven Life. And I go, I need to read this book. And she goes, well, buy it. Dingling, and let's read it together. Wow. And so we ended up reading it together. Uh, well, not together. I would read it. She would read like it. And then we'd, we'd get on the phone and, yeah. you know, talk about the, okay. the, the event of the, the message for that day and how it's, you know, giving back and your purpose in life is sharing God's good work. And wow. because of that, I got adopted, I joined ministry. Uh, I, I started going to Wednesday night church. I was always, you know, since I moved to Southern California, I was consistently every Sunday. And, right. you know, you just kind of go through these different events and how transformed my life has been within just this year of 2021 of once you follow God's will. And I think we said this last week when you're when you're walking with God, how all of a sudden the lights just turn green. Yeah. And you just feel like, Everything is going the right way. Not that there isn't going to still continue to be trials and tribulations, but... Satan's pissed, but yeah, you're yeah, going. And, you're and, moving. Yeah, and he's going to shoot some fiery darts at you. But um, And because of just following God's path, I found what I, I know is the love of my life. Uh, I've met Carver, and we actually <laughs> met through Motel Trip, and yeah. here we are. We're now doing our podcast, which is absolutely just, awesome. Yeah. So um, so excited to wow. be here. Uh Things at work are doing very well, and um, I just couldn't be happier. And, and, and I, I guess the overarching message of giving my testimony today is we've all sinned. Moses committed murder, and yet he's renowned as, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, so high up within uh, Scripture. And we, we all are sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God, but... It's not where we've come or what skeletons we're trying to hide from. Um, our past is who we are. And if right. we allow that past to control us and, and let the devil speak doubt into your mind that God will not love you, then 
we're not we're not giving God the the the, the true ability that He has, and yeah. that ability is forgiveness. And so no matter how I look at my life, and I used to actually be angry of all the different things that had transpired in my life. But when I look back at it today, I look at it and I go, if it wasn't for these trials and tribulations, I wouldn't be the strong man that I am today. So good. And I'm confident in who I am as a God-fearing man. And uh, I just want to you know, share with our audience and share with you that yeah. no matter what comes our way, it's not how we handled it, but it's what we do in the future. And mm. now I'm such a firm believer on living God's will is the best and the only way to live. Right. And um, I'm just grateful to have this opportunity to be able to share. And, um, you know, if, if this is helpful for anyone out there, please like and share. But by all means, like, give us comments. Give us feedback. Yeah. If you have personal struggles anyone is dealing with, um, by all means, we would be happy to sure. connect offline. It doesn't need to be, you know, in a, uh, you know, worldwide web type setting, but you know, we're, we're here to give, uh, mentorship or counselship right. and not saying that we have all the answers, but you know, just sharing what you're going through, it could be just the, the release you need yeah. of holding on to whatever pain you're holding on to. Yeah. And I know that, you know, I think one thing, too, that I want to add to that is if you hear us talk about something that you want to know more about, you can always send us a message. It doesn't necessarily have to be a public comment. You could send us a direct message, and that could be something that we could address with you. Like if there's something you heard that is uh, just, again, you want to know more about or dig into it a little more, that's a great opportunity for you to reach out to us to just get a little more one-on-one -on -one time with either one of us about it. Um, I know that, you know, hearing hearing us, hearing all of this from you is, you know, yeah, it's opened my eyes a lot to just, you know, see what you've, you've gone through. And, you know, my testimony is, is similar in the sense that a lot of the revival I had was pretty recent. Mm -hmm. And just to look at, you know, it seems like you, you, you know, you, you tried very hard to like, make success happen but yeah until you just shed all of those layers off and that's finally right. said okay god let's go yeah you know then everything opens up and it opens up all at once yeah you know most definitely any final thoughts before we land the plane we're uh we're yes vastly over I have, our uh, timeline here i have a final thought yes. um so <clears throat> when you and it's kind of just more off it's not specifically on your testimony but when you moved to um so you moved to OC, right? Mm -hmm. From okay. So what was your? I mean, you're you're here for a month or two. What was your thoughts about it? You know, what was ah? Just a uh, uh, Northern California to Southern California perspective. Yes. Bingo. Um, we have we have quite a rivalry down here with you guys up north. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest, and I'll I'll tell a very quick story as we land go. the plane here. Um, Especially, uh, I don't know, could have been just Southern California in general. Okay. Northern Californians uh, are typically more inviting. They're more open. They're, really? They're more willing to have dialogue. Okay. For instance, in Southern California, uh, I could be in an elevator, which my building has multiple elevators, compared to my apartment in Sacramento, which only had one elevator. So I would see a lot of regular people okay. uh, on a regular basis. And I'd be like hey how's your day today or hello what's going on great weather you know whatever just chit chat common elevator etiquette right okay. and 
here in Southern California, people would be like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Like dismissed, like just very close minded, not willing okay. to be open or to even really have dialogue. And so I would say from a perspective standpoint, I'm going, oh, this could be a rough go here in uh, Southern California. So that was your first impression is like, wow, you guys are so standoffish. Yeah, standoffish. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny is I've always been a super outgoing person, you are. so I can definitely agree with that. I felt like it was always hard to get the foot in the door to talk to somebody. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, uh, we hope you guys at least yeah. liked the uh, the first uh, the first go podcast numero uno. Um, so if you find this helpful, please like, um, subscribe, share with your friends and family. Um, it doesn't, you know, it takes you four seconds to do it, but means a great deal for it us does. to just hit that thumbs up button. Um, so he's Carver. I'm Kirk, and we out. Peace.